Thanks, John, for filling in there. And uh, also, congregation, as we continue with uh, our reading, we're going to go looking at Matthew uh, chapter 6. But before I do that, may I also add uh, to John's welcome and the welcome of each other, uh, my welcome to you. Thanks for coming to church this Sunday and for being here to be under the word with me uh, and to also hear what God has to say in probably uh, one of the most important messages that we need to hear. I, I think I would rate this subject as right up there with the top messages that we need to hear. And so um, what John read is quite a sombre parable. We're going to unpack that parable in the message. But please turn with me to Matthew text is and just read those words of Jesus again in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Pray then like this. We know this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, those words have quite an incredible impact on us. And Lord Jesus, you stated them. You gave the additional parable and you have spoken to your disciples, your followers. And now you're speaking to us, your disciples and followers in the 21st century. Because you haven't changed uh, and you are from everlasting to everlasting, we trust that how you spoke to them in their day is how you'll speak to us in our day. We pray for that. We pray for open ears and particularly open hearts and open lives to actually hear what you have to say, to understand it and to live it out. In our Saviour's name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer and we're up to message number six out of eight on the Lord's Prayer. We saw last week that the Lord's Prayer is beautiful and practical because Jesus teaches us not only how to pray but also what to pray for. And we learned last week that food, our daily bread, is one of the essentials for living. We all know that. We eat our food daily. But what do you think Jesus states as our next most important need after daily bread? He says, word in my script, I put question mark, forgiveness, and exclamation mark, forgiveness. It is as essential to your and my life and health as food is for the body. If the soul is healthy, 
you'll have a much better life when it comes into to God's terms. And I was thinking, how did Jesus put this into practice in his ministry? That forgiveness is our most important need spiritually after food daily. And my mind went to that, para- that, that um, in Mark chapter 2, the paralyzed man and his friends. You can imagine those four friends with their paralyzed friend on a stretcher trying to get into the house to meet Jesus. It was so crowded they couldn't even get near Jesus. So ingeniously they go to the roof and lower him in. And when Jesus sees this paralyzed man who came there for healing, he was paralyzed. Jesus shocks everybody by saying, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Hang on, we came for healing. No, Jesus says, what's more important is that your sins are forgiven. So that's why Jesus in the prayer can tell us that after our daily bread, the forgiveness of sins is critically important. And I think in the context of this prayer, for us to join God and fulfill his big agenda to make his kingdom come, We really need to get this forgiveness thing sorted. It is that important. Let me illustrate a little bit about what forgiveness can look like. If you can imagine a person being forgiven by God to be like a big river. In Jesus' context, maybe the Jordan River. Imagine a person is the Jordan River and water is flowing through you. Waters of forgiveness are flowing through you. And, of course, going to other people. But if you are a forgiven by God person and you cannot forgive others, it is like water from that river going to a dead end in the Dead Sea and it cannot sustain life. So do you see the importance of forgiveness? If we are forgiven by God people and can't forgive others, we're like the Dead Sea comes from God alone. Yet, Jesus is telling us that this gift must flow from us through others. I was reading something about, you know, that book that Andrew's brother um, had a couple of weeks ago, Why Forgive? Um, I think it was Linda Steins was uh, a missionary in India and her husband and her two sons were incinerated in that car. I don't know if you remember that. Australian missionaries in India. Anyway, she wrote something in her testimony. She said, I, I can forgive their misdeeds, but only God can forgive their sins. And I was reflecting on that. That's interesting because every time forgiveness is mentioned in the Old Testament, it's only God who forgives. But it is also got to flow through us to others if forgiveness is real. The power to forgive comes from God alone, yet this gift must also flow through us to others. And you see, to put it in another way, if we don't live forgiveness, we are denying the very basis of our new existence in Christ. Now, that's a really important sentence. If we uh, fail to forgive, we are denying the basis of our existence in Christ. 
Carl Menninger is a famous uh, psychiatrist in the UK, and he says that if he could convince all the patients in his psychiatric hospitals that their sins are forgiven them, he says 75% of them could be discharged tomorrow. That's profound. 75% of his psychiatric patients could be discharged if they could be assured of forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness affects our very existence as human beings. And that's why Jesus says, after daily bread, we pray this petition about forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The Heidelberg Catechism... Have we got no slides going up? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was expecting something up there. Um, Heidelberg Catechism says it in a very interesting way. This is one of the documents that we have as a confessional document in our denomination, uh, summarising scripture. What does this we also have forgiven our debtors means? Because of Christ's blood, do not hold against us poor sinners that we are, any of the sins we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us to forgive those who sin against us. A lovely unpacking of the meaning of what this means. So in the first place this morning, let's look at forgiveness and its essential meaning. The essential meaning of biblical forgiveness is in these three things that are up on the screen. And what I'm trying to do is look at the whole concept of forgiveness in Scripture and summarize it. It's used to release someone from a debt. That's why Jesus tells us Matthew 18. It's also to cancel a debt or obligation that someone has against us. It also means pardon, it's no longer guilty. Uh, or washing clean. They are the biblical concepts for forgiveness. And we saw that that comes out clearly in Matthew's parable. Now, we read that parable, and I think with our eyes, we just go over the top of it. But we forget what impression that would have had on the people who originally heard it. Because those talents that were spoken of, that this man uh, was indebted to the king for was equal to 200,000 years' wages. 200,000 years' wages. That is an incredible debt. And the person who owed money to him owed him 100 days' wages. I mean, the people would have thought, what? And one was forgiven so much, and then he couldn't forgive the other. So I want, to, want you to picture uh, what it looks like to, to owe a person a debt. And I've got a little pocket calculator that's always on my desk. And um, I'm going to give the biggest number that this calculator can take. And it is one with all these zeros up on the screen. I don't know if you can see that. That is 10 million is the biggest number I can put on this calculator. So that is a huge debt. If someone owed you $10 million, that is lots and lots of money. Now, I want someone to come up here and, and clear the debt. Anybody, just come up. All you have to do is press a button. Yeah, okay. 
See that little CL button? Push that one there. Zero. Yep. And what does it read? Zero. Zero. See up there? There's a big zero. So to have a huge debt and then just have it cancelled. So when we look at our biblical word study of forgiveness of sins, you could actually say that in the Bible, forgiveness of sins is par parallel with salvation. For instance, when Paul was on the Damascus Road and he was confronted by Jesus, Jesus said, I want you to be my servant and you're going to go handing you to them, to the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Forgiveness of sins makes us right with God. The debt has been cleared. We are not guilty. That's what it means. In Peter's vision of the sheet coming down in Acts chapter 10, we see that Peter gives his testimony about God telling him to go to the Jews as well as the Gentiles. He says, He commanded us to preach whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. So they're just two examples where forgiveness of sins and the fullness of salvation mean the same thing. Now, how does that work? Because God is holy and we actually by nature rebel and break his laws. As a result, we become the debtors. We owe God a huge debt, a debt of perfect obedience because anything but disqualifies us from the kingdom. And so we deserve punishment. We deserve to be tortured. We deserve to be in jail like the king did with that servant. But the gospel is this. The gospel is God pressing the clear button. The gospel is God saying that debt, that punishment that you deserved, that is taken away when Jesus died on the cross. Because the Lamb of God becomes your substitute and my substitute. And his death in our place puts a great big paid in full right across the debt. Like a big stamp paid in full. And when you have that happen to you, you can't help but say the glory of my sins have been forgiven. I give God the glory for that. We receive full forgiveness knowing that the cost is completely borne by Jesus. And to have that happen to you and to me is a most liberating experience. We have to understand that. We have to feel that. And there may be people here today who, who haven't had that complete forgiveness experience, salvation. Well, today is the day when Jesus is offering it and all we have to do is cling to it with empty hands and say Jesus today I want to receive the forgiveness of sins and today could be the change in your life just like Shirley talked about before when Jesus comes in he changes your life radically 
But Jesus is a true realist. He knows that even if we have been forgiven by the Father, we still sin every day. I sin every day. You sin every day. And so therefore, we need to ask for that daily forgiveness. And, and the interesting thing about how Jesus teaches it in Matthew chapter 6 and straight after the Lord's Prayer, those verses 14 to 15, they match Matthew 18. And so I'd like to say this, that we as God's people are never more godlike than when we forgive. Think about that. You are never more like God than when you forgive. Because we are giving others the experience that God gave us. And when we forgive others, we experience again the joy of God forgiving our sins. But oppositely, he who cannot forgive burns the bridge across which he himself must cross. And that, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Who hasn't felt the pain of knowing that something is wrong between you and your best friend? Or between you and your marriage partner? Or, be or sister or your children? Who, who hasn't felt that when things are not right between us, there actually is a pain. A pain that's in our souls. Unforgiveness. The human heart cries out for forgiveness. The ache of wishing that something could be lent, something could be healed, something could be forgiven. It can run very, very deep. And some people suffer without knowing what the root cause of their mental health is. People are looking everywhere for this release, for a cancellation of debt from someone. Now maybe today you are looking for a release from such a debt. And the good news is that God is willing to cancel our debt with him. He does it, as we said earlier, because Christ pays the bill in full so that you can be released and you can be set free. And our Lord's Prayer is teaching us how to pray even though he knows we still sin. And so when you trust in Jesus and believe in him, I'll say it again, your debt has been cancelled. And the big question is now, can you extend the same forgiveness to those who sin against you. That's where the emphasis of the Lord's Prayer comes. Can you forgive other people to the same extent that God has forgiven you? And this applies to every one of us because daily we sin. So daily we need to confess to God. Daily we need to receive forgiveness from each other. We need to have our debts cancelled. And we need to have other people's debts with us cancelled and our debts with them cancelled. Because that's what forgiveness means. So I want to unpack a bit of Matthew 18 with us this morning. 
See how Matthew 18 starts. You can imagine the mind of Peter ticking over. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Mentally, Peter's probably saying, once, oh, that's not enough. What about twice? Maybe three times. That's what I think the law of the Pharisees said. You've got to give them three times. And he says, no, I'll be generous. I'll say, Jesus, is seven times enough? I'm being so generous, aren't I? And then Jesus says to him, 70 times seven. And that numerically adds up to 490. But sevens and sevens is a number of fullness in the Bible. So in other words, day after day after day, in fact, your life needs to be characterized by forgiveness. How is this done? Well, Jesus is teaching us that there is a connection between being forgiven by God and being able to forgive others. And the size of your debt can bring an elephant with a mouse. Our debt with God, elephant. Other people's debt with us, mouse. If you cannot wipe out someone's small sins against you, why should God wipe out a large debt that you have against him? Why should he? Jesus says that the proof that your sins are forgiven by God is the fact that you can forgive others. There is an undeniable principle in this passage. If you cannot forgive someone else their sin against you, their debt, you put in question your own forgiveness from God. That is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if you don't understand forgiveness, maybe you haven't been forgiven by God. You don't understand what has taken place. Your own salvation might be under question. Or at least you are living with a dreadful inconsistency in your life. You want to give it away. The clearest evidence of true sorrow for sin is that you have a forgiving spirit. Those who receive grace must also extend grace. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. That's how you must also forgive. Now John Wesley is a well-known English um, evangelist. And um, he met a man one day called John Oglethorpe. And they were talking and John Oglethorpe said to John Wesley, I never forgive. Do you know how Wesley replied? He said, then, sir, I hope you never sin. <laughs> I never forgive. Would you say that? No, please don't say that. Please don't say that. Then, sir, I hope you never sin. Let's look at the second place at uh, forgiveness and putting into practice. And basically it's a two-point sermon this morning, so we're on number two. Putting it into practice. Do you have any debts to clear with anyone? Have you got any unfinished forgiveness business in your life? Do you need to forgive a friend 
maybe from years ago? Do you need to forgive a business colleague who did the dirty on you? Do you need to forgive your father or your mother or your brother or your sister or your son or your daughter? You see, why should God forgive you if you can't forgive them? That's how Jesus puts it in this passage. We have to feel the force of Jesus' statement. And, and, and he's not saying that forgiveness is a work you do to merit God's favour. No. Forgiveness is what you do because he has shown you so much favour. You see, unforgiven, unforgiven, unfinished forgiveness will affect your relationship with God. If you have got unfinished forgiveness business, it will affect your relationship with God. The psalmist in Psalm 32 says, For when I kept silent, when I didn't confess my sins, day and night your hand, God, was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And that's followed in our Bibles by the word Selah. We've learned before that the word Selah is not pronounced when you read the Bible. It is a pause. Stop, think, reflect what you've just heard. That's what Selah means. So unfinished forgiveness will also affect your relationship with others. There'll be bitterness in your heart towards others. And there'll be bitterness in your own self. You'll be bitter towards others. You'll be bitter in yourself. Unfinished forgiveness affects your relationship with others. But Jesus also tells us that unfinished forgiveness will also hinder your worship. Look what he says in this Bible passage, Matthew 5, just preceding our text. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters, says Jesus. If you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering, and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering immediately. Leave, leave and go to this friend and make things right. And then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Unfinished forgiveness hinders your worship. And fourthly, unfinished forgiveness is a mental and physical health hazard. We read in Matthew 18, and if you've got your Bibles open to that passage, 18 verse 34, and in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now, there's a footnote there saying jailers or torturers. And the commentators have wrestled with those words. We can understand the jail part that two... 100,000 years worth of wages is something that you'll never repay. You can't. You're in jail. You can't even earn a cent. But when Jesus, as the alternative reading says, you'll be handed over to the torturers, what does that mean? Well, I think what it means is you'll be tortured in your own prison, the own prison of your mind. In that book that um, Andrew's brother uh, gave away, Why Forgive, quote, absolutely floored me. Piri Thomas, 
talks about his life and what happened. He says, I have learned that the cruelest prison of all is the prison of an unforgiving mind and spirit. And I think that's what Jesus means as that alternative reading. You'll be handed over to the torturers. It'll be torture for you mentally and physically if you cannot forgive other people their sins. That's how important it is for our mental health and our physical health. So are you serious today, dear friends, about forgiving and forgiveness? If you are in a place where you need to act, would you act today? Would you put things away from your diary and say, that is what I have to attend to today? And is there a person sitting beside you or across the aisle or in front of you or behind you that needs your forgiveness? Will you forgive that brother or sister and cancel their debt with you? Because it's in your power to forgive. You can go to the clear button, press it and say, debt is cleared. And I can imagine if you're wriggling a bit in your seat and this is really hitting you between the eyes, you might say, Pastor Bill, that's too hard. You're making me very uncomfortable. Well, think about Jesus on the cross. Did he wait for people who he needed to forgive? Did he wait for them to come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I did. He didn't wait for them to come. He called out from the cross when he was nailed there on the beams, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Yes, it can be hard. It can be uncomfortable. But when you leave this place today, you may have business to do with God and with someone else that the Holy Spirit put attitude towards us. Romans 5.8 says, While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. If God would be waiting for us to repent, we wouldn't. It doesn't come natural. It's a spiritual thing to repent. He demonstrated his love so much that he Jesus. It was the plan of God to send him to this earth and crucify him for our sins to be forgiven. That's how God demonstrates his love for us. Will you go and forgive your neighbour to show how much you treasure God's forgiveness of your sins. Because that's what it really means to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And when you do that transaction, it is like a salvation transaction. A salvation transaction. You have the opportunity to cancel someone else's debt and experience the liberation of being a forgiver. And also being forgiven. As I said earlier, we are never more like God than when we forgive. When we forgive others, we experience the joy of God forgiving us. And so you can see that forgiveness has a lot to do with praying your kingdom come. Let's pray. Father in heaven... We do need to hear this message because we sin every day 
we will need to be forgiven daily. And because people sin against us, wittingly or unwittingly, willingly or unwillingly, we need to forgive them. Father, will you help us to be a forgiving church? May we never hold grudges against someone in our fellowship. May we be a forgiving family, Lord, around the table, that there's nothing blocking our relationships with each other. Father, help us to be a forgiving person, to know how much you've forgiven me, and that's why I will forgive others. Let us reflect, Lord, something of heaven in our earthly relationships. We praise you, Jesus, that you made this possible. And when you see this happening on earth as it is in heaven, then the glory goes to you because we could not do this ourselves. It is a work of God in us. Please keep doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I was going to give you a heads up, but I forgot to do it. Um, and that is that after this message, um, I'm going to ask Scott Penner to come and have a chat. Now, the context is that we had a staff meeting last Tuesday and um, I got talking about what I was preaching on, uh, on forgiveness. And um, Scott and I had this amazing conversation. And so I said, Scott, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me that you need to talk about that and uh, the microphone's going to be yours. You know what to do. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I don't know, after that sermon, I don't know if I can add too much, really. <laughs> you got all that? Everyone's good? Everyone's good to go? Going to head out and just forgive everybody? Awesome. Um, yes, look, I, we, we chatted from in the perspective, um, me and Bill, um, because in my other life, I'm a, a counsellor and um, specialising in couples counselling, relationship counselling, and um, I've done that for yeah many years now but um this is and it's one area where the rubber really hits the road with this sort of stuff um and if you're not married or if you're not in a relationship chances are you probably will be one day um so please still listen don't just check out and go i'm out of here um but and you also could apply all of these principles to any relationship that you're in it could be business it could be social it could be parent it could be child whatever Friends. Um, but yeah, look, I just wanted to just share a couple of little thoughts on how to actually make this a little bit uh, more palatable um, and practical and real world. Because, you know, when, you, when you're sort of talking about, um, you know, biblical principles, sometimes they can be all the way over there in the Bible and God and heaven and stuff. And it's not really working when you're, you know, fighting with your wife or your husband and stuff like that. It's kind of you're not in that mindset. But I want to, yeah, so I, I want to start with an illustration <clears throat> about why forgiveness is so hard um, and why it's so hard to get that elephant-mouse kind of estimation right. Um, and the one word is proximity. Um, and to illustrate this, I want you to just imagine, just close your eyes for a moment. You're in a cafe and you're sitting across from someone that you love. Somebody, you've been chatting for about half an hour or so and all of a sudden the person sitting in the table next to you just stands up taps you on the shoulder and just says, excuse me, but your voice is so annoying. Everything you say is stupid. 
I'm leaving, and they just leave. You would think, that's, that's kind of rude and kind of weird. Like, they're kind of strange. That offended, you know, you'd be like, oh, they're, kind of, they're kind of weird, but, you know, I'm not that offended. But just imagine then, close your eyes again, the person sitting across from you, the person that you love, the person you're close to does exactly the same thing, says exactly the same words. Your voice is annoying. Everything you say is stupid and I'm leaving. And now, how do you feel? thing is the, the stranger, the, the other, other seat, but the proximity that you have to that person makes it completely different. The way you feel, the magnitude of the transgression is completely expanded. And so, like, it's sort of like, I don't know, like, if you, if you get a small thing and you're really close up to it, like the mouse, if you get, if you get let's just say this calculator is the mouse, it's, it's really, really, oh, actually, no, this is actually the sin of my, you know, my father, and it's right here, and it just, it just blinds everything that I do, and I can't see anything else. And that sin that I have with God, you know, the elephant, that's, that's in heaven, you know. That's, I can't even see that. That's somewhere else. That's everything I've done in a different time and place. Like, what you actually see right here in front of you looks really big. And what's far away from you that, that sort of has anything to do with other people and, you know, um, your, your relationship with God, that can seem far away. So even if it's bigger, it's further away. And so it's really hard to estimate just how big it is. But I would like to just, yeah, reiterate, as Bill said, just how important forgiveness is. And in, in the relationship counselling that I've done in the past, I've sat across from two people just going at each other many, many times and... Done doing the doing the study, doing the um, doing the um, research. I found that forgiveness is absolutely the most important part of the longevity of any relationship. You don't really need forgiveness if your relationship's going to be a one night stand or a couple of weeks. You know, forgiveness is fine. You can just first time first time something they do something dumb, mm, it's over, done, out of here. But if you're actually planning on being with this person, being in a relationship with this person for a long, long, long time, which is Ideally, if you're married, it'll be decades. Guaranteed, 100%, they are going to do things that annoy you, that hurt you very often, thousands of times across that, um, that relationship. And if you can imagine that like, a transgression is like, if you, if you choose to not forgive, it's like garbage just building up. It's like choosing not to put your bins out. Um, it's like, just imagine if you, you know, if you're, the, kitchen, the kitchen bin gets full, you, you tie it up in a plastic bag and then you just put it next to the bin. And you can imagine, yeah, it might be okay for, you know, a couple of days, maybe a week, you could live with a couple of stinky bin bags just there. But you could be like, it's fine, you know, I don't, uh, you know, don't need to forgive, it's fine, I can live with this. And then it just goes on for months and months and months and they keep, keep adding on transgressions, they keep doing dumb stuff. And if you don't have any way of getting rid of it, um, and you know this, this in the in the um, research around psychology and and uh, and counselling, there is there is four things that you can use to um, uh, predict a divorce by about ninety percent success rate, and it's a cycle. It goes from criticism to defensiveness, stonewalling, or rage. Um, which is like a flooding sort of adrenaline um, sort of response. And the fact of the matter is, like, criticism and defensiveness are both forms of unforgiveness. Um, criticism is not forgiving the other person and defensiveness is not believing that you have any need for forgiveness. So 
if you actually can't get forgiveness down, look, you, can, you can pretty much bank on about 90% success rate in divorce. And this is, this is where the rubber really hits the road. You know, if you, uh, if you, if you, if you say, um, you know what, I, I, I can't forgive what this person has done. Or, you know, if you don't have a mechanism in your, mi- in your mind or in your life to actually get forgiveness happening in your life on a day-to-day basis, it is going to end badly. You can, you can guarantee it, you know. You can just uh, stay in it. But it's just no one wants to live that way. And so I want to... Um, I want to just give you a couple of points about what forgiveness is and what it isn't and how it applies to any kind of uh, close relationship uh, because forgiveness is not just forgetting about it because you can't. You can't forget about things that have been done to you. A lot of the time you can think about it less so that the memory fades but you, can't, you just physically can't forget some things and if you equate forgiveness with forgetfulness you're missing the point. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other person apologizing and you just you said that without uh, that um illustration about jesus on the cross but you know this it could be that the person that has transgressed against you is never going to apologize they're just they're just stuck in defensiveness they're never going to apologize for it or they might have gone to a different place they might be dead like it could be that no the person that sinned against you and hurt you you don't have any access to them anymore like and so you can't wait until they apologize to forgive and a forgiveness is not allowing the other person to abuse you. And this is, this is the tricky one because it's like a lot of people say, yes, we, we forgive 70 times 7, you know, forgive, 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 forgive. But the other thing is that, like you will also be ground into dust if you, um, if you stay in a relationship where you are being abused. You can't handle it. It's, um, and um, that is just a, an unfortunate um, truth of the matter when it comes to marriage relationships people just waste away in misery when they uh, when they have no um way of actually cutting off a relationship that's abusive um and so forgiveness is not being a doormat and allowing the other person to abuse you but forgiveness is uh sacrificing your right to revenge it's like cancelling the debt um forgiveness is um, when the other person wrongs you, a lot of the time, especially in relationships, we feel as if we have the right to get them back, you know. Um, even just this, many people I've talked to, like if, if their partner cheats on them, they've seen, fine, I'm going to go and sleep with someone else. Like that, that's the logic they use. They say, your transgression, that means excuse, excuses my transgression. But that forgiveness is the direct opposite of that. Um, it's, it is dependent on your understanding of your own need for forgiveness. Once again, the elephant and the uh, the mouse scenario. Um, if you don't feel like, if you feel self righteous, you find it much harder to forgive. And the last thing is, you forgiveness is more of a benefit to you than the one you're forgiving. Um, it's been attributed to many different people. Don't try and find out on the internet who who actually who said this first, but. Forgiveness, um, the opposite of forgiveness is resentment and bitterness. And the quote is, resentment or bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It doesn't hurt them. You being unforgiving and resentful doesn't hurt the other person. It's not revenge. It just hurts yourself. And so, yeah, once again, it pairs with that. It's not dependent on the other person apologising. Because it's it's actually for you. Uh, Forgiveness is for your benefit. Um, And it's a sacrifice. Um, it's hard, but um, where this uh, where the rubber hits the road on this 
obviously, perspective, like I said, with the, you know, the, the smaller sin being closer to you, looking bigger. Um, something, certainly something that can actually be a good exercise in making forgiveness more palatable is just, once again, getting closer to God and figuring out and, and learning more about just how grievous your sin is, how much in need of, sin, of forgiveness you are, um, to actually bring the elephant closer to you. Um, and so that will actually bring everything more into perspective if you're actually feeding your relationship with God and not just focusing on um, the, the amount of sin that other people have perpetrated against you. Um, <clears throat> oh no, it, was, it wasn't another one. It was the one about the garbage. <laughs> so... This is this is hard, and and I think it's 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 definitely worth um, like giving giving this issue its due uh, because I know it's been a fairly pretty serious talk. I don't I don't usually um, talk this seriously, but there's no kids in there. Just beg you and pray to you if just in 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 this moment now, you can probably think of the transgression that someone has perpetrated against you. It can just come straight to your mind. You can think of someone that's hurt you. Might have been this morning. It might have been 10 years ago. It might have been when you were a child. <clears throat> like Bill said, don't, um, don't just go grab a coffee afterwards and just that's, that's now in the elephant pile a long way away from me and I don't think about it. Um, if, it's with, if, it's, you know, if it's something you need to sort out with someone that you still have access to, the, long, the longer that you hold the poison inside of you, it's just the worse it's going to be. Um, and so I just, I just encourage you, um, certainly you actually deserve to be free. Um, you deserve, you know, Jesus has already paid for it all. So stop trying to make someone else pay for it and stop trying to pay for it yourself. So I'm going to, um, yeah, um, hand back to Bill and we're going to sing our last song. Thank you. Thanks. I'll give the music team time to get up and we'll uh, read the closing scripture and finish in song and then... Uh, you are welcome to join for coffee, tea, fellowship, but um, John and I uh, are going to be up front. If anybody feels that in response to today's message, we would like to offer prayer. And if that's a bit confronting to you, maybe you'd like to pray with someone close to you, and uh, however it works for you, that will be good. But to pray about this if God has spoken to you, um, and by all means during the day, do that as well. The passage I'd like to conclude with, uh, is from Jude, and uh, Jude verses 24 and 25. It's something that we can hold on to and, uh, and focus on because it's a, it's a doxology, but at the same time a blessing. So please hear this as God's word to you as you uh, go on your way. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. And to that we can say, Amen.